Welcome to Speakeasy. No drinks, just dialogue with Kansas City's doers and makers. I'm Drew. And I'm Derek. And thanks for listening. So we are here today with Tad Carpenter. He's partner at Carpenter Collective. He's a illustrator, designer, everything uh, under the sun. So, uh, Tad, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you guys so much for thinking of me and having me having me out here tonight. Yeah, we appreciate Absolutely. you making time for us. Yeah. So uh, first, let's get started. So what's your background? Um and how did you get into design? Absolutely. I, uh, I'm i lucky enough or cursed, however you want to look at it, that <laughs> I've, uh, I've always known I wanted to be an artist of some sort, right? And um, so I uh, I always joke that I was I was born and bred here in Kansas City. Uh-huh. I joke that I'll, I'll be buried here in Kansas City. <laughs> I'm Kansas City through and through. And uh, I am the son of an illustrator. So my father was an illustrator, designer, art director at Hallmark Cards for 41 and a half years. Wow. Yeah, right. Yeah. First wow. job out of college, out of KU, yeah. and uh, he just retired uh, a year ago from right now, last That's December. amazing. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. So um, <laughs> I literally, my whole life, I I just thought everybody was either an artist or a designer or a, or a stylist or a photographer, you know. Uh, some kind all, of creative. Some sort of creative. All my dad's friends were these types of people, right? <laughs> so um, I grew up and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, my mother's also a fiber artist, so um, I come from a very creative household. Um, yeah, if I didn't make something, I was going to get booted you know (laughs) keep your own kids that's the tough talk when you tell your hallmark artist dad that you want to be a lawyer yeah yeah exactly Exactly. yeah so i was lucky enough that i I really grew up in a creative household and uh uh, so i knew i wanted to do design and uh, or i wanted to do art which really led me into design um and illustration and um yeah i'm I'm from here in kansas city i went to the university of kansas which is where i met my wife um who's now also my business partner my wife's also a graphic Mm -hmm. Designer and art director, and we run our studio um, together as partners. And um, so, yeah, we've kind of, kind of, uh, you know, planted a flag in the sand here in mm-hmm. Kansas City, and this is home. <laughs> this is going to always be home base. We we feel, and um, so we kind of run our studio here, and um, and do just such a wide magnitude of types of making or types of sure. projects. We're we're a branding studio. We really are a design and branding studio. Our backbone is branding, but. Um, Everything we do um, is so diverse. We do lots of illustration campaigns, um, but how we approach those very much are with a kind of brand-centric approach. Um, we do murals. We do children's books. Mm-hmm. We do packaging. We do um, national campaigns, and we do tons and tons of brand identity build-out. I was telling Drew earlier today that just today alone, we've probably walked by 10 or 15 of Tad's designs in our daily lives, and oh, yeah. we probably just didn't realize it. Everything from... Target gift cards to Sonic fast food sacks. Like you're everywhere. You and your team are everywhere. Yeah, we we touch a lot of different types of applications for uh-huh. sure. Yeah, you know. And to me, that's what I like about design. And I think uh, I hear a lot of people giving the advice, which is really good advice. I, personally, I think advice just in general is bullshit. Generally, like <laughs> candidly yes. speaking, yes. like yeah, yeah. everybody that whoever asks for advice should take that very much with a grain of salt because yeah. uh, whatever. But yeah. I, I I hear people a lot of times giving the advice of you know you. You should pick a specialty and be a specialist in one thing, and that's what you should do. And they're holy, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You know, you become the expert in one like very specific thing. It's amazing. I very much like to touch and do lots of different types of making or applications or design. You know, um, yeah, everything kind of falls under kind of a brand identity or or kind of brand application umbrella. But like you just said, I mean, whether it's doing fast food packaging or doing applications for Target or Macy's and on a retail level right. or, or a mural in or a Westport. mural for the yep. Kansas City Royals in Westport, um, you know, or hell doing mom and pa startups you know yeah. which i love doing so it, yeah we really do like to touch a lot of different kinds of applications and see how people bring these artifacts into their lives you mm-hmm. know that's what's cool about design i think mm-hmm. is how do people touch these things and, and how do they um positively influence their lives in some way and well and, it's you hope for and you guys get to grow creatively whenever you kind of reach outside step outside your boundaries where if you just did one thing you did it really well and you did it all the time then you're not uh, sort of stretching beyond the limits of what you think you're, you're absolutely right i get bored doing. very easily too which i think a lot of creative people probably do yeah, yeah. sure yeah. so i like the fact that you know um 
it changes so frequently with what you're doing and it allows you to start to research these weird little industries. We've been rebranding a 25 year old coffee company recently and we've really had to become a little bit of an expert totally. in coffee roasting and like what that means and why that's important and what does this bean do and where does this come from and you know different regions of the world why some use this. So that's is a that cool an thing. exercise in like authenticity just so that you know that you're doing a good job or is that just the way Ted Carpenter does design? I would like to think a lot of people would yeah. do design that way, or yeah. I hope they do. You yeah. know, to me, I just feel like, um, you know, you're 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 cutting yourself short a little bit if you can't speak the lingo a little mm-hmm. bit and understand why you're making decisions mm-hmm. like that you're making, right? right. So, um, if I'm going to tell them they need to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. I need some factual reasons why sure. they're doing that, or why are we creating labels this way, or why are we or, why are we organizing information in this way? Design is organization a lot of times, so it's like let's come up with a, a structural, strategic reason right. why we're doing what we're doing. So right? you ordered everything on the Sonic menu, is what you're saying. <laughs> I do that normally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Sonic breakfast burrito man through and through. And that ain't even because you I got paid to say this. So yeah, often yeah, yeah. they just asked you if you had any other talent. They're like, bro, you're here every morning. Like, can you, can, can you, you make a bag us, and some yeah. cups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for real. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is funny that like, I mean, like, yeah, weird. Design is weird because it's, 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 it's the combination of art and commerce coming together in some way, which uh, that's a challenge it's, sometimes, it, yeah. you know? Um, you know, there's a very, it, like being frank, sometimes it's a very different approach to designing a mural for someone or installing a mural that gives you maybe a lot of freedom versus doing a, you know, um, a corporate fast food packaging system totally. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, generally speaking, we don't work with people we don't support most right. of the time. I, like, yeah. I mean, Sonic's fast food. I'm not like a huge fast food guy, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to lie. Sonic does it right. Like, right, I literally, sure. I eat the hell out of the breakfast yeah. burritos <laughs> right. and tater tots are my life. Right. You know, so it's yeah, like. You can't get tater tots at every fast food restaurant. You so certainly <laughs> can. You certainly yeah. can. And it's, look, I'm here to tell you, Sonic is the drink stop. Oh, Let me yeah. tell you guys. No, I'm not. Oh, yeah. Sonic. But, uh, but no, like, generally speaking, we do. In this coffee roasting company we've been working with, I can honestly say, I think it's one of the best coffee roasters I've ever had and they really needed a new brand positioning Mm -hmm. and they needed an entire new kind of um, identity system Mm -hmm. and a new approach to how they're positioning themselves in the market and I was like holy hell you guys have an amazing product we need to do this together and that was what's exciting where you know it's one thing having to work for someone you're just like I don't give a crap about you could care less one way or another and generally we get some really um, inspiring people with cool dreams and, and kind of cool stuff, which is which is a cool way to kind of make what you make and um, I make, guess make a living. I guess talk about yeah. yeah, cool products and cool new places. The Boulevard Beer Hall, I think, is oh, one of yeah. everyone's favorite places, and I, I think a few people, very few people, realize that your team had a, a very real role in that first level space <laughs> and just the look and feel of that and yeah. the learning experience behind Boulevard's products. Can you talk a little bit about Absolutely. how that came together? That was. Um, yeah, we you know we we designed um, the so so what we're talking about is the Boulevard Boulevard's um, new tours and rec building, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so um, uh, Helix was the architect on the project, did an amazing job from an architectural standpoint. Um, but we were brought on because Boulevard essentially was evolving. Um, this has been several years now ago when they approached us. Um, they were evolving and buying this building to the east of their brewery, and uh, they knew they had a problem when that every single day. Boulevard was so popular that they were literally turning away hundreds of guests that wanted to tour the space Mm -hmm. every single day. It's a great problem, (laughs) you know? And um, so they acquired this building next to them and said, you know, we want to create an official tours and rec building. We want to create a place that um, people can wait before their tours. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to create a place that people can go have a beer, maybe get a snack, you know, whatever. But more importantly, even Boulevard wanted to be able to tell the story of Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? Mm -hmm. You know? So they came to us to say, how do we tell this story in this space? You know, mm-hmm. not only that, they also came to us to brand the second floor, which is a 10,000 square foot beer hall too, yeah. which is a separate project, which is amazing totally as well, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. But with the, with the Boulevard experience on the first floor, we really started to create these silos with Boulevard of like, okay, what stories do you want to tell? What's near and dear and important to your heart? You know, um, what makes Boulevard Boulevard, you mm-hmm. know, how are we going to tell the story of Boulevard? Like just as, you know, from John McDonald as an art student at KU, all the way up into now owning one of the best craft 
beer companies in a, in the world. Yeah, you know, yeah. totally. And so um, we we found ways to do that. They wanted to tell literally the history of beer, like straight up caveman puddle beer, <laughs> all the way up through like medieval times uh-huh. to American beer to our to you know the forefathers were big brewers yeah. through the prohibition. How do we tell the story of the history of beer? Um, things like they they have an amazing um, bottle conditioning program, barrel aging program. Um, where do all the names for their beers come from? Um, uh, all the how do we display their artifacts in the in the case? So you know, mm-hmm. they had all these little stories you want to tell, and we aren't exhibition designers, we right. aren't museum designers, but we had to put you know, all right, we've never done this before, but we're going to figure this out. And um, my wife and I, Jessica, and our team started to try to figure out how we're going to approach this. Um, it was by far the gnarliest <laughs> project we've ever worked on. Well, that's got to be great because it's a to- it's a totally different kind of project, totally project. But you're also working with an iconic KC brand and a, a brand that you know loves Kansas City and gets to uh, you get to kind of work with that. And You're so. absolutely right. Like I, I like I'm Kansas City through and through and there's few brands that you could pinpoint that you're like, well I would love to do this because mm-hmm. they stand for everything that I'm proud of to mm-hmm. be from Kansas City. You totally. know? And to be honest, that was a real approach that, you know, we every time we do any sort of project, we try to approach it with some sort of core values, mm-hmm. some sort of strategic thinking in some way. And it's like, who is Boulevard? The end of the day, they are a Midwestern brewery. Mm-hmm. You know, that's who they are, right. and we need to stay true to that. So, one thing we came up right off the bat was a, a beer experience, especially if you look at some of the European ones or um, East Coast brewers, other companies. They can become very um, tech heavy very yeah. quickly, right? Just, I mean, any sort of weird experience sometimes might become very tech heavy because um, for various reasons. But with Boulevard, we said, I don't know if that makes if that aligns with your your kind of overall brand, right? right? You are a Midwestern brewer, you mm-hmm. know? You guys, you know, for years ran out of this little shed, you know, to the east <laughs> right. here, you know? How do we honor that? So if you go to the Boulevard Experience, um, you'll notice that it is very um, analog-based. Mm-hmm. It is very... Um, it is very lo-fi, mm-hmm. but in a, we hope in a very creative way, because mm-hmm. our approach and, and something Boulevard wanted from the get-go was they wanted to make sure all the customers and all the guests that came in was, un, they would engage with everything that we shared with them, right? So, I mean, for an example, you walk in and it talks about the ingredients we use at Boulevard Beer, you know, every brewery says this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the most boring damn <laughs> exhibition <laughs> point ever. But how do we make this interesting, right? You have to, yeah. And because, I mean, let's be honest, every brewer in America uses the exact same four ingredients, you know, right? <laughs> you know, so so with us, we were like, all right, how do we create engagement? So we there's literally a thing you can go up on the wall and there's a grain feeder, like a goat feeder that you can literally eat the grain or um the the grain that they use to make Mm -hmm. it tastes like grape nuts actually Mm -hmm. you know um you can literally go and smell the hops that they use we designed a custom hop sniffer that you squeeze and smell the hops we created a yeah patent (laughs) trademark that hop um we created a yeast viewer that you can look inside of and watch yeast growing to see how that process works. So cool. Just trying to create engagement with A little with more personal guests. experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Touch things. Physically mm-hmm. touch things. So you'll see a lot of things are um, made of wood and are very big and dimensional and almost heavy at times, mm-hmm. which we thought was reflective. If you look through the history of beer that I was talking about earlier, uh, there's cranks, there's pulleys, there's doors and little Easter eggs that you can hide and mm-hmm. find. Mm-hmm. We also found out that you can kind of see a lot of similarities through children's museums mm-hmm. and say, Boulevard. It feels kind of like a playground almost. Absolutely. Yeah. We have found that um, children and drunk people have very <laughs> similar cognitive skills. I can see that, So yeah. when you're there drinking beer and, and, and those motor skills diminish a little, we feel like you're still in good shape when you're that's at Boulevard. So. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Other breweries, if you're listening. No, I'm kidding. Um, so you, you mentioned having to learn and be, almost become an expert about a lot of different um, products. Is there anything that's particularly strange or something you didn't expect you would ever become um, an expert in that you are now? <laughs> oh, man, let me think. Um, well, I mean, I, the, the, the weird the kind of eyebrow raise I get fairly frequently is I've illustrated a, quite a few children's books. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure how. 20, 25, somewhere in that wow. neighborhood. That's awesome. Um, I don't have my wife and I don't have a child. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yet, you know, you know, that's right. Kind of, sure, you know, sure, sure, you know, sure. Knock on whatever <laughs> this is. Um, but um, I always get asked if I go out on a speaking engagement. I go somewhere. I'm like, so um, 
dude without children walk <laughs> us through this uh, children's book career that's happen? happening, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, and by no means am I an expert in, in children's literacy by any means, um, but it is something that I'm very passionate about and I truly, I love doing. I yeah. love telling stories. All of this d- is just storytelling. Design mm-hmm. is storytelling. And so um, children's literature is truly storytelling. Uh-huh. And so I love the ability to try to tell a story in a very limited amount of characters or, 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 or pages, if you will. Um, I love how um, a story will stick with you your entire life. Um, I have books from when I was three years old that I read all the time. Mm-hmm. I am going to hang on to that my entire life. Right. Um, and it's more than hanging on to just a book. It's me hanging on to an experience I shared probably with my father mm-hmm. or maybe a grandfather or, or another adult in my life. You know, um, Those books mean more than just the narrative that they're telling you. And I, to me, that's a really special thing to be a part of is to kind of introduce these stories and create these experiences for other people to have together, You know, uh, a father and a son or a mother and a daughter yeah. or whatever. Um, and, and for me as a designer, um, I was lucky to grow up the son of an artist, but um, for everybody who's listening, probably the first time you had any experience with what art was like just straight up like what art is someone making something it probably came between the two pages of a picture book you Mm -hmm. know and and that's a powerful cool thing to introduce to a child Mm -hmm. you know and uh i love design i love it so much and to be able to introduce other people to it and um hopefully inspire them to maybe also think about that as as something that they could partake in um i don't know it's a cool thing and a lot of your creative background has and you look at your portfolio and uh, we'll show some of the images that you've created you and your team it all has an element of whimsy too uh which i imagine applies very well for children's books Mm -hmm. you seem to like monsters a lot (laughs) (laughs) they show up on occasion yeah 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 yeah. for various reasons probably yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah i mean it's yeah, it doesn't always work for everybody, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what did I, I was at a conference recently with. It was a very like kind of highfalutin design and branding conference. Uh-huh. Somebody was talking about some, I mean, unbelievably powerful like social identity that they've been creating, you know. And then they're like, and Tad creates lots of brands identity. But if I'm not mistaken, you're here to talk about your new book, which is. Monsters New Undies, and I was like, I was like, oh crap, man, this just is here not, we go. This is not going the way I planned, man. You know, I promise, I'm qualified. I know exactly. I know what I'm, I'm gonna take off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that is something I'm glad you mentioned. That like, although you're from Kansas City, you circuit the the country. You talk to these huge design conferences, AIGA, How Design. Uh, you're you're a name in the design world, but you're based in KC. What's keeping you here? Is it just the familial ties and love for Kansas City? Uh, I appreciate it. I'll slip you a 20 afterwards. Those kind of words. But, um, no, I mean, it's a lot of things. And I think, to be honest, and I bet other people can um, feel the same way I do, that the more I travel, the more <laughs> I realize how special Kansas City is. Um, there's great cities all over the, all over the place. But... Um, Damn, Kansas City is a good place to live. It really is. And, yeah, there's lots of reasons. My, my family's here, and uh, I love being near and near to my mother and, my, my, my mother and father. I mm-hmm. love being close to them. I wish I saw them even more than I do. Um, I love being near them. Uh, my wife's family's from here. I have great, great in-laws and great nieces, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I love being around them. My, my, my wife and I grew up less than a mile from each other, so it makes holidays oh. very oh, easy. Wow. We didn't know each other till college, yeah. but we grew up very close together. Uh, so it's, uh, family means a lot to us, and I love being near them. Um, we work with clients all over the country. Um, a lot of kids, I mean, uh, the last like, couple of years, we've done tons of work with Kansas City. Before that, we hardly ever did work in Kansas yeah. City. So that's a cool thing to see now. Um, but to be honest, it's just such a good place to be able to call. It's a good home base. If I need to get to California, I can be there in two and a half hours. If I need to be in New York, I can be there in two and a half hours. You right, know what I mean? Right. Can't beat that. You cannot beat that, yeah. you know? And it's just, gosh, there's, I also always feel like Kansas City, I'm sure you guys, you know, with your ties to visit KC, feel this way, that um, if I love Kansas City now, Next week, Kansas City would blow up so fast. I'd yes. Like, I've, yeah. I've been here for 37 years now. I finally left and we got the mass transit I wanted. We got the new airport. We finally All these things, you know. Exactly. And it's like, no, I put my time in. I'm never leaving. This is it, you know. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to use these things. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this, this downtown I always dreamed of, you know. Yeah, so we're, we're in it, you know. It's like, yeah, we have an office in the crossroads now. It's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't see us ever 
you know, um, without, you know, weird circumstances, you know, not yeah. calling Kansas City home probably. Yeah, that's great. What, um, talking about the crossroads, what, what's it like to be based in that neighborhood specifically? Because we talk to a lot of people from the crossroads yeah. and they have a lot of great things to oh say my about gosh. it. So. Like, yeah, I mean, we, I, I always knew we wanted to have our office there and, and it's probably a lot of the same reasons those people like it as well. It's such a, um, wonderfully eclectic group of human beings mm-hmm. and, um, that's what's wonderful about it. We're we're in the corner of 18th and Wyandotte, so like if you know YJ's or like mm-hmm. some of those places, and right over there, and I just love that block. I just love that neighborhood, and it's because there's an energy to it. I mean, 8 a.m. and you feel there's a weird little energy to this <laughs> yeah. neighborhood, yeah, and I love it. You know, um, it's just a wonderful eclectic group of people, and generally everyone around there is either creative or supports the creative arts in some way, and um, it's just a cool, really, really wonderful place. Um, I mean, out our front door, we can see the Performing Arts Building, which is beautiful. You know what I it's mean? Not a bad sight. Not a bad sight. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. maybe just the top of it, but still, yeah, I can sure, see yeah. it. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just it's a it's a great neighborhood that uh, it's fun when our clients come in town. Or we have a lot of friends that come in town for whatever reason, and um, that are maybe designers in other cities or whatever. They come to our office mm-hmm. and they come to the Crossroads and like what in the hell is this little neighborhood, you know, um, let alone if there's a first Friday thing going on, they haven't seen anything like it. So it's, um, it's, it's just a great place to, to call home. And if if you're an artist or a designer from, from this, even the Midwest, Mm -hmm. like to me, I can't think of a a better few blocks than that kind of, kind of neighborhood to, um, to, you know, call home, I guess. Everyone seems to get it there. Um, they all kind of, everyone's kind of pulling on the same, they're all pulling together. And then you have different pockets, like the East Crossroads has totally blown up where it, yeah. it feels a little different than where you guys are. Mm-hmm. But it's still got that sort of vibe of like mm-hmm. um, art, artistry and totally. collaboration and doing cool things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of stuff popping over on the East. There's so many breweries over there. Oh my God, like, it's crazy. Like, That's the other thing, like we learned so much about beer from working on Boulevard. <laughs> I'm trying to think what year. It must have been 2015 when we were like in the thick of it. And um, I remember, and I can't remember what year it was, but the the height of of breweries was, um, I can't remember what the year is, but it was somewhere around Prohibition, right mm-hmm. before Prohibition mm-hmm. hit. And it was like, and I'm going to mess it up, but it was like 4,200 breweries in America. That was the most that had ever been seen. Well, then the Prohibition hit, right? Went to zero, right. you know? Right. And then 2015... I, got, I could be doing some fuzzy math. 2015-ish. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to hold you to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was 2015. It was the first year in American history we finally got back to that, let's Jeez. call it 4,200 mark. You know, I read that too. And then yeah. now yeah. we are like, I mean, we're probably like 5,000 now or yeah. even more because yeah. a new brewery is open so fast in, in this country, um, which is awesome to see if you're a beer drinker. I mean, my gosh, there's so many. And you're right, Kansas City has so many popping up all over the place. Well, we, we did the tap tour. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, please. We did the tap tour, and the first uh, the first run was 11 breweries, and then there were so many that had opened up or, like, gotten uh, solid ground underneath them that we – it's like – how many is it? 19 now? 19, breweries, yeah. yeah. And so we added eight breweries in the surrounding region. Holy cow. Just because – 19? Uh, There's – Yeah. And that's just a fraction. That's oh, I'm just sure. one that, you know, want to play and be a part of the program. Yeah. It, it's incredible. Um, people, and they seem to do well, and people are excited. It's one of those things where people in Kansas City like to just go try things that absolutely. are from Kansas City. Absolutely. And they like to talk about it, and they like to spend time hanging well, out there. And well, let's be honest. Ain't nobody like Kansas City like <laughs> Kansas City. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, my goodness. We uh, Maybe this is, it has to do with you guys. I don't know. But, man, Kansas City uh, really loves itself and loves uh-huh. to promote itself, yeah. which I'm proud of. I'm glad. Yeah. We we we, uh, we need to dial down a little bit. We don't want too many people moving here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. So um, a couple years ago, you designed the book cover for Wonder, which is kind of uh, enjoying its moment in the spot. Right now, the movie's getting yeah, a, lot say of, that, yeah. a lot of buzz. Um, so, using the book as an analogy, and that we shouldn't judge a book by its cover unless it's one by Ted Company, uh, we totally should judge it. Uh, how would you say the illustrations affect how we perceive a story or a piece of work mm-hmm. before we experience it and while we're experiencing it? Yeah, well, Wonder's a good example of that. That was a challenging book jacket um, for a lot of reasons. I remember when the manuscript came across my desk and I was, I was kind of reading the story and Oh, I mean, I could tell it was a special book. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is 
it's it, it, I mean it's not the most unique story in the world that you've heard you know it, it's a it, it's a story that everyone can connect with and has heard before but the way it's told and the heart that's in that story just blew me away and um, I remember when we started talking about like what this jacket could be my concern with it was is we knew we wanted this um, Augie character on the front in some way but how do we show him mm-hmm. and for me approaching a book jacket like that I never want to ruin it for the reader if that makes mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. um i want that reader to be able to envision what augie looks like on their own mm-hmm. sure that's why I'm, when the film comes out it always bums you out a little because you're like yeah. that's, that's not what, at all what i pictured that guy looking like that's how it was for harry potter for yeah. me oh it's i like, bet i bet absolutely well, yeah. Yeah. his mom is julia roberts in the movie so right. yeah right, exactly not, that wasn't who i pictured <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i'll take it yeah, yeah. <laughs> every kid has julia roberts and owen wilson's <laughs> right. parents right or whatever um so but no it's like i my my goal with that was like i don't want to i don't want to give away too much um and then with this book being so specifically about some of the um some of the physical challenge that this character was facing how do we show that um but again never being overly specific i also wanted that because i wanted other people to be able to relate to this figure i was drawing mm-hmm. and put themselves inside of it some way you know um which is what i think the book does a nice job of as well so really this this book jacket becomes very abstract a little bit in nature where you only see the one eye and things are kind of, you know, uh, very asymmetrical. And, um, yeah, I designed it and, um, I'll be honest. Remember when I first, that we've landed on it, I was not crazy about this yeah. book jacket. Yeah. Interesting. I, I was not, I was like, you know, all right, this is where we landed. And I was like, I was like, okay, I like it. It's it's fine, but it's never anything that I was like really, really stoked the on. abstractness of it or, I, I, well, I also am one of those people that just frankly, I've never liked anything I've ever made. Like, right. I generally right. am just like, oh, God, get it away from yeah. me. Yes. I could Why did we lay in here? You know, yeah. and with Wonder, for some reason, um, we went down lots of paths. And, you know, there was one path that I might have liked more. There's one path. Oh, yeah. And then we landed here. And by no means was I like, oh, gosh, this is the worst. But I was just right. like, well, OK, I think everyone's happy. The author loves it. The publisher loves it. Um, that's fantastic, you know? And, um, so I was like, you know, frankly, I will never have to see this thing again. And this is what it is. Fast forward a year later. Oh shit. It's a New York times bestseller now. You're like, well, it's going to be on Barnes and Noble's wall every day now forever. Um, so I was like, well, that's not a big deal. Whatever. No big deal. Um, then it becomes, um, a second book and then there was new chapters being added, a third book, a fourth book, a fifth book. I'm like, oh man, this thing's got legs. And then, you know, this year now the moon, the film comes out. And it's everywhere and it's all, you know, uh, I get contacted by schools all the time wanting, wanting to use it for t-shirts and wanting to use it in lesson plans. Um, tons of schools are making a book. Uh, it's a part of the curriculum now to read, which I think is absolutely 100% fantastic. Um, so it is that book cover has now become, um, an icon or a logo Mm -hmm. for a movement, Mm -hmm. which is something that I never in a million years anticipated and am humbled and blown away by when you go online and just look at the countless ways that people are using it or recreating. I mean, I've seen it on cakes and shirts and um, air balloons and uh, buildings and um i mean everything i mean anything you can think of um and that's pretty sweet thing that people have adapted is is there something in your daily life that you're like oh wow i've never done a a water bottle wrapper or uh, an exit sign is there something you're like i wish i could design that that. yeah there's like a laundry list of things that Uh, i want to design you know it's like like i always tell my wife like i always really want to design a, a hotel Oh, oh yeah, well, like, yeah. I know that's like a big thing, yeah. but like no. I want to design um, ground up brand identity visual system mm-hmm. how a whole thing breaks down um, for a hotel. Why like, hotel? Your, Just because? I think because there's a lot of touch points. Yeah. So it is obviously we need a brand identity and a logo system and a word mark and this and there's obviously going to be exterior signage and interior signage and wayfinding but then you're thinking about what do all the door numbers yeah. look like? What do um, there's going to be a restaurant? How does that experience how is that influenced by the right. overall umbrella brand of the whole thing? I, there's so many touch points. I, we yeah. I love designing restaurants and we do uh, quite a bit of re- restaurants work and the reason is is because there's just so many things to to think about yeah. you know from packaging of food to exterior signage and interior signage, uniform signage, uniform yeah. i mean every so many different so many things that can ones. affect yeah. the way that absolutely. someone interacts with absolutely it. Yeah. so a lot of my dream projects are influenced by by that and that's why i've always i'm just like oh a hotel would be cool we designed um 
a uh, just a little um, boutique apartment um, building earlier this year here mm-hmm. in Kansas City, and that was close. You know, there's a lot of little mm-hmm. fun little touch points and whatever. But a hotel's one of those things I've always wanted to do. Um, gosh, I mean, there's just there's so many things that we continue want to like. There's certain clients that we want to work with. Sure, and, uh, we had a conference call today with a a dream client of ours that we've always wanted to and then just randomly they called and we're like holy bananas <laughs> like this might go down yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. that's super exciting you know yeah. so um yeah there's just so many things i mean gosh i'm trying to think what yeah. other things we would we and you've gotten to that do. point that people are coming to you now that's that, nice. that, that's got to be go, a, incredibly yeah. exciting of something that you've built is now yeah being i mean out. knock on you yeah. know wood you hope that keeps going I'm, <laughs> I'm always the person that's like oh my gosh what if this is it what if yeah. i have to go I'm going to be working at Sonic next year, maybe. You might see me there. You know? No, I don't know. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, anytime you get any call from somebody yeah. that wants to enlist your skill set yeah. to help their business in some way is, um, man, it, it's such an honor and a humbling feeling because – uh, there's a lot of options mm-hmm. of people out there you mm-hmm. could work with that are totally. and a lot of people that are crazy talented, mm-hmm. crazy talented, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's pretty sweet to be able to do to do anything for anybody, mm-hmm. um, and to be able to kind of tell write your own story and 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 kind of control your own destiny a little bit by running our own studio and stuff is something that my wife and I have dreamed about since the day we met when we were mm-hmm. you know 22 years old so yeah. so you're in oh, these auditoriums awesome. or say you're on a college campus and there's like 600,000 people in these intro design 101 what is the key thing you want them to know about design what's dumb it down what big do takeaway yeah what's the big takeaway draw draw yeah like you better start drawing um now, there's a lot of other things I'll tell you, too. But, um, I mean, concept is always king in design. So if you can, if you're a good thinker and you can come up with really, really strong ideas, that is always going to be the most important thing. Um, but being able to draw is pretty damn helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I teach at the University of Kansas, and um, I have since 2009. So um, I put a huge emphasis in my classes on actually pencil to paper. Mm-hmm concepting ideas and drawing um yeah there's a million ways to get to the end result but still to come up with solid concepts and ideas and do that quickly and and not be caught up in trying to make everything perfect um man just pencil and paper and being able to draw is so valuable just freestyle well, just, just let go just, of those let's just sit and your brain works differently yeah. too your when you're totally actually different. drawing something versus like if you're we have a mouse on a computer and you're mm-hmm. sketching that way or it's just like yeah. i've done that with writing i've started doing that with writing too yeah. where r- literally writing out the words you're thinking versus, about it in a different yeah. way versus typing it where you can just kind of go on autopilot mm-hmm. you have to think about actually you writing do. letters and there's something <laughs> yeah i mean i mean to me you know i've tried it before and i have students that always try to do this we're like do you mind if all my sketches are just on, you know, my stylus or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I mean, part of me is like, well, not, I don't totally care. But to me, when I try to draw in that way, Mm -hmm. I'm instantly caught up in trying to make something look perfect because you can make, try Mm -hmm. to make it look perfect. You have a way, but when you were pencil to paper and you were just freestyle concept and coming up with big ideas and there's no limitations and you were just, you just ripping ideas off. Um, man, that's the way to do it. So to me with young designers, it's like get comfortable with drawing. And to me, I think a lot of the young designers get incredibly intimidated by that thought. Mm. And what I always tell designers is just because I'm telling you to draw doesn't mean that you need to draw like what you're envisioning right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you you got to be the next Rembrandt or you got to <laughs> be the next whoever. You know, it is what you need to do, especially young designers, is figure out how do you draw because mm-hmm. every single person is going to draw differently. You know, um, you know, there, there are certain people that might draw just using shape or very a very simple form. You know, there's other people that are crazy photorealistic, tight, you know, crazy drawing, you know. Both of those are correct solutions. People are just coming at it differently. You know, school is about finding your own personal process mm-hmm. and, and kind of uh, uh, understanding how to get from point A to point B. And part of that is just understanding how to figure out how you are going to tell stories and how are you going to draw. You know, the guy next to you might be the most amazing draftsman in the world. Well, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. how are you going to do it? You might do it differently. You mm-hmm. know, you might become one of the greatest stick figure drawers in the world and create a, <laughs> a line that, you know, of stupid little slogan 
Hogan t-shirts with stick figure families and uh-huh. you know whatever. I'm pretty sure that's a thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's like, hey, that's something, you know? Right? Yeah. So it's like figure out how you're yeah. going to tell your story, you know? Well, so and it gives you the op- the chance to it gives you the freedom to mess up and mm, to yeah. try something different and to. Uh, stretch your boundaries and that that having a computer or a stylus doesn't quite like to me you were that's saying. you're absolutely right and that, to me that becomes a dangerous thing that i feel like we have we have started to enter into our culture and i don't know if that's a the world we live in where everything is perfect everybody's instagram accounts are curated and beautiful and we're all just wonderfully attractive human beings <laughs> and, and our lives are perfect that there is no room for failure mm-hmm. And that sucks because that is not realistic for anybody. And as a designer, I mean, I don't know what the percentage is. I I would, I would venture to say 70% of everything I make is total garbage, Mm -hmm. total, just absolute Mm -hmm. garbage. Mm -hmm. And it ends up on the cutting room floor, whether that's when I'm designing a logo and we design, you know, 70 various logos. Well, at the end of the day, only one of those is being used and chosen. So one out of 70 that percentage ain't that great. You know, a lot of those other ones are just, you know, failures for lack of a better word. And I don't know if some young people, I think they get caught so caught up in thinking that there is no room for failure. Sure. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they don't, maybe they're never given permission to fail. I don't know, but I think they need to understand that it's okay to fail Mm -hmm. because we're, you're going to fail all the time. Mm -hmm. So talking about like honing your skill Mm -hmm. and sharpening your knife, what creative exercise do you find that you do personally? I know, I follow you on social and I love following you on social because every Sunday, Sunday, there's a different design of a sun, which mm-hmm. is really, really cool. What are those things that you try to do personally just to keep yourself uh, you know, spry and creative and thinking outside I mean, the box? That, that's one. And that's why I started. It mm-hmm. was, um, I mean, it's a super cheesy idea that literally every Sunday morning mm-hmm. I get up and design a sun. It's and like your crossword puzzle in a way. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it, it is a exercise mm-hmm. it is it is one hour a week for myself maybe sometimes two hours but it is an hour a week that is devoted to me it is it is the opportunity for me to make something for me and for nobody else mm-hmm. but more that than that it is uh it is it is a time to practice you know um i mean we all see you know uh i'm trying to think of a cheese player actually like right now um, <laughs> um you know, i'm just gonna throw out old school you know we see you know cream hunt he, there we he has to practice yes. every week to become who he is you know what right. i mean he's he's in the weight room he's doing cardio work he's in the film room he's doing you know he has to do all this practice work for that sunday you know, um, why in the hell do I not have to continue to practice? You know, um, and to me, that's what my Sunday Sun thing. It became a uh, it became a forced opportunity just to practice some new things and explore. You know, um, I mean, I've done stuff out of metal and clay and paper mache and obviously uh, vector and logos and all kinds of different stuff that I normally probably wouldn't get a chance to. But I need to play. It's mm-hmm. it's it's an opportunity play that's what it is and it's outside the realm of um business absolutely you don't have a client who wants it a certain way it's Mm -hmm. you and your creative Mm -hmm. your brain telling yeah it's also been nice because it's it's very much kind of become a personal journal sure where i can look at those and i remember where i was that day or that time period how i was feeling Mm -hmm. um or what was going on in the world you know um some of them have some social connections Mm -hmm. or some of them might just have a connection to the time of year or or just things that are going on in our world or our country or you know whatever and i like that it 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 really will become a little bit of a journal for me as much as it is for you know a a kind of a a, an an exercise in play Mm -hmm. and and i think that's important to find these passion projects for everybody that's not just being a designer or creative person i mean just finding personal projects that you can kind of wrap your arms around and be excited about i mean all week long i look forward to early sunday morning yeah because it's it's that's for me it's for no one else i get up when it's pitch black out i go and sit by (laughs) myself and it's such a wonderful time. It's awesome. Almost meditative, it's probably. It's very meditative. Yep. That's exactly what it is to me. It's this yeah. very kind of introspective, quiet exercise um, that I have a blast doing. And I think that's important for people to continue to hone their skills, explore new things, force themselves to explore new things. Um, 
because yeah, you're always going to be changing and growing and, and you hope that one of those things that you explore, um, might influence your professional work in some, mm-hmm. at some point, Absolutely. Which, which I'm sure it will. So, um, yeah, I think that's important, important yeah. to do. Yeah. Speaking, and then, yeah, speak, you set up us, us up very <laughs> nicely for this last part. Yeah. We're talking about, uh, retrospective mm-hmm. and, um, exercise of play and maybe even forced, uh, reflection. Uh, Drew has put together some quick fire questions for you. As you can tell, I am super fast with my answers. I just go on tangents for hours. So I'll try to go very quickly. We uh, Well, you're not the first Ten one. minutes or less. Yeah, 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 yeah. Per question. We've had to rate in guests before. So, um, okay. So first question, what's the toughest thing to draw for you personally? Feet. Feet? Why? Is it just... They're weird, man. They are Look weird. at feet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why. I think feet are hard. I, everyone, I think everyone who can probably admit, or admit the hardest things to draw typically are uh, heads, hands, and feet. Appendages like and yeah. Heads, hands, and feet are the things. Um, hands are a challenge too, but I feel like I feel more confident drawing mm-hmm. hands because um, I draw them more frequently than I draw yeah, feet. Yeah, you see hands more. You probably draw them more then too. Then I draw yeah. feet and I'm like, well, that just looks like a weird hand on the bottom of a leg or something. You know what I mean? That's kind so, of what it is. Really. It is. That's exactly what it is. Uh, but yeah, I, to me, that, that's what I'll land on that. Perfect. We'll, we'll go there today. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Shel Silverstein, was he a better poet, illustrator, or singer-songwriter? Poet. Okay. I think I, I love his illustrations. Yeah, too, yeah. But if I have yeah. to pick one. Well, The Giving Tree is a classic. Oh, my God. I, his, his writing style is off the charts. Man. Yeah. That dude is just... Um, I love it, but I, yes, I love his illustration too. Sure. If I'm choosing one, I'm gonna go with poet. Awesome. Is there a favorite band poster that you've drawn? Oh my goodness gracious. That is so hard. My answer to that one always is, um, the, uh, Abbott brothers poster that we have. Mm -hmm. And that's because my wife, Jessica designed it. That's awesome. So that's why I like it. Very nice. Uh, That's why it's my favorite. Um, personally, one of my favorite posters that I've designed, um, we designed, we're so lucky designed for so many amazing bands and tours and, um, I got to design a poster for Bob Dylan. Oh, and, um, that's cool. That was just like a like a like an oh shit moment. Surreal, like, probably. Frankly. Yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> your, uh, surreal. Confession time: Your Ray LaMontagne posters hanging in my living room. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, dude. I will say Ray story that of all of all the musicians I've ever done anything for, they figured it out, man. Mm-hmm. They do it right. I've mm-hmm. never seen what Ray LaMontagne's tour does, which is. Um, when they go into cities, they generally hire local musicians. So if you're going to Omaha or you're going to Boston, Mm -hmm. they generally are going to work with an artist from that area, which is a genius genius idea. And everyone should do that. Mm -hmm. But then what they do is, I can't remember how many posters Ray ordered for his show. Let's call it 200, right? Um, uh, A hundred of them are just you know, limited edition screen printer poster Mm -hmm. from this dumb dumb with my little dumb dumb signature (laughs) numbering at the bottom, right? That's (laughs) great. But then the other hundred, Ray takes the time to sign each of them, and he chart. You know, so let's say my the, the regular posters, twenty five dollars, fifty dollars. Ray's posters, hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. those ones with Ray's signature sell out in seconds. Yeah. And I'm like, why do more bands not do that? Like yeah. that is so smart. That's super um, smart. Gosh, but no, the Bob Dylan poster. Yes, I love because yes, it was Bob Dylan. That was a scary thing. Um, for me, I think one of the greatest, if not the greatest gig poster ever designed is Milton Glaser's Bob Dylan poster, which you've seen it. It came in one of his early packaging pieces in one of the albums. It's the one that is the silhouette of Bob Dylan and his hairs, all mm. the different oh, colors. Yeah, yeah, Everybody yeah. knows that poster. Yeah. Yeah. It's iconic Bob Dylan. So when I was faced to design a Bob Dylan poster, I was terrified. How do I design this poster? Mm-hmm. So um, if you've ever seen the Bob Dylan poster, it is a silhouette of Bob Dylan. It's a modern interpretation of it. And um, that poster to Bob that I designed of Bob Dylan is as much of an homage to Milton Glaser as it is an homage nice. to Bob Dylan. Yeah. Super um, cool. Which is which was a super cool thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, why would anyone ever tell the moon good night? It can't hear you. <laughs> How do you know? Uh, I don't <laughs> How do you know? Is it made of cheese? I, I was always told it was made of cheese. Yeah, spare ribs. You know what know. we should ask is the Pentagon. Oh, yeah. Because evidently they have this this uh, new uh, this UFO uh, oh, yeah. thing going on, and maybe they know something maybe we don't. Maybe they're asking the moon goodnight, and we... Okay. You're darn right. Darn right. Well, Next solved. question, then. Mystery solved. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite newspaper comic, past or present? Oh, wow. Um, oh, man. That, would, question. That, would, that is a good question, because there's a lot of comics that I used to like a lot. Um, my father had a nationally syndicated comic in the 80s. Awesome. Um, Which one? His was called Haywire and Ribbons. Haywire so this ribbons, was okay. in 
the early eight. I, he'll be mad at me. I don't know the exact date. <laughs> um, let's call it the early eighties, uh-huh. right? And what it was was this is when Hallmark was starting to um, they were starting to get into licensing. Yeah, and they were seeing how much money they were paying. You know, you whatever property, right? Right. right. They're like. We need to create some of our own damn properties, yeah. right? What are we doing, right? So Hallmark, my dad was an artist there at the time. Hallmark said, "Steve, what kind of ideas do you have for comic strip? You know, um, and we'll partner with, you know, I think it was with King Features who did Beetle Bailey sure. and you know all these ones. And um, so my dad created this comic strip called Haywire and Ribbons, which was about these two dogs. One was like a dirty mutt, and one was like this like you know fancy poodle. And they lived together yeah. in this yeah. family, and um, oh, it's so awesome. And uh, I'm trying to think how many years he did it, like somewhere around like three to four years yeah. with King Features. But that's a comic every single that's day. That's a lot of work. A color one on Sunday. <sighs> Um, and he always refers to his as prison sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get out of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I love that. I love, I mean, there's a lot of them. Like, I love Beetle Bailey for mm-hmm. a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Mort Walker is a local guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's from the Kansas City area. Yeah. He sadly went to MU, but um, I he went, went to MU too. Oh my. Yeah. I'm done. Good night, guy. No, I'm just All right, kidding. Interview's <laughs> over. <laughs> you're, you're okay, good. Oh, I'm going to direct my attention <laughs> over here for the rest of okay, no, Yeah. <laughs> Very good answers. Do you do you have a favorite comic, Derek? Um, Calvin and Hobbes. Mm, I've always liked. My oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, I when I was little, I loved Far Side. I had Far all Side. of those books, you know, yeah. stacked up next to the toilet. Uh-huh. Were you guys like this in, in grade school? Like when you would go to the library, like the the Calvin and Hobbes in the like the Far Side books. I remember my teachers were like. I want everyone to read any book they want, except these two, except you know? Exactly. And I was like, but except those the are coolest ones. ones. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I had both Farside and Calvin Hobbes, and I still think that my sense of humor comes from the Farside. Like, oh, yeah. I miss it all the time. It's so how, good. How funny that so thing good. is. Um, okay, crayons, colored pencils, or markers, which do you prefer? Mm. I think I would be – I'm a color pencil guy out of those. Yeah. And that's typically what I use um, – when I'm like dabbing color and dealing with color. Side yeah. question. What do you feel about this whole adult coloring craze? I don't know how to answer that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? A little bit. It, yeah. Okay. But for some All right, people, good. it's like they're meditative. Yeah. See, right? in that regard, I'm like, oh, I totally get it. Like you want to, uh, maybe you turn on, you know, um, a couple old episodes of The Office. You sure. know them. You just sit and just zone color out. away and zone and think and kind of. So in that regard, I'm like. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's yeah. kind of cool. But then part of me is just like, what in the? What? <laughs> it's, it's strange because you're like, it's like going back to being a child, yeah. right? Like, isn't that kind of what? It's... Uh, yeah, I think there's a nostalgia. I'm, there is. It. There's 100 yeah. percent uh-huh. a very like psychological reason by mm-hmm. why these are taking off the way mm-hmm. they're taking off and why they're taking off now. Mm-hmm. Like in 2017, America. Why are adult coloring books <laughs> taking off? In 20 years from now, there will be studies that they go back and understand. Relate the two. Exactly. Yeah, that's a whole different episode. So it's a 100% different episode. I'm being very careful. And um, no, but you're absolutely, I mean, like to me, any time that someone is finding a way to bring creativity in their life, it's a positive thing. Like it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's fun to be snarky and, and right. you know, whatever, but like it, yeah, like it's, it's a positive thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, just like anything, it's one of those things that it's like, I don't know if I understand it, but I also literally mm-hmm. design and draw and color all sure. day long. So I'm like, what? But then I put myself in the shoes of someone else who, who maybe doesn't have a creative outlet mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, I totally understand why someone would want to do this okay. now. Great. You know what I but mean? But you won't be creating an adult coloring book anytime. I've been so. asked several times. <laughs> I was just saying. I actually have been asked Seems like times. a good avenue. For Maybe. <laughs> How much do you offer? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, last one. What's your favorite thing about Casey? Oh, my gosh. Um, that is nearly impossible to answer. I know. It's tough. Um, I'll, I'll start with the generic answer, which it really is the people that are here. Like, there's no other way to put it. Um, there's great people everywhere. Every, I mean, there's literally great people everywhere. But, man, I, I just feel like we're so lucky to have such a really solid group of human beings that call Kansas City home. And Agreed. the more you travel, the more you go other places, you come back here and you're like, wow, this this – it feels like home because of the people probably, you know? Yeah. My family's here and there's, there's landmarks that I recognize and make me feel warm and fuzzy and things, but man, it's the, it's the, the interactions with other human beings and the way human beings treat one another here that, uh, has a lot to do with why I haven't never left. Um, that, that is 
always going to be one of my favorite things. Um, I love how unbelievably um, creative Kansas City is. And that's a huge reason why I always want to be here. And I always want to be a, you know, um, screaming from the mountaintops of how proud I am of Kansas City as a creative market. Um, there's amazing creative cities in America, you know. Um, Kansas City, for the size of market we are, I, I can't imagine another market of our size having even close to the amount of creative people that are here. It blows me away that the people that are either still here doing amazing things or are from here and have gone on to do X, Y, and Z. Um, we try to document a lot of that on that other another side project. Yeah. We run Made in the Middle, um, mm-hmm. which is literally just celebrating the creativity, com- creative community here in Kansas City, um, where we, we even have a timeline that shows the history of Kansas City's creative community. Awesome. And uh, it, it blows me away. You know, and this town wraps its arms around creative people and celebrates creative people. I think there's lots of reasons for that. We've talked about Hallmark a lot. I think the Hall family has everything to do with that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'll, I've never worked a day in my life at Hallmark, but I'll forever be in debt to the Hall family and Hallmark greeting cards um, because of my father's relationship there and everything that that family has given my family. Um, but more importantly, everything they've done just for a creative community and for our city, mm-hmm. you know, um, Everybody, please go out and buy a greeting card because <laughs> if something ever happened to Hallmark greeting cards in yeah. this city, oh, Kansas City, it would be a dark, yeah. dark day for the city of Kansas City. And so the creative community, and then you look at all the design firms or design agencies or ad agencies or any, I mean, you name it, a photography studio, whatever. I, it'd be hard to say that those aren't all influenced probably by by someone like Hallmark, yeah. you know, I've never worked for Hallmark, but my dad did. Okay. That makes it, you know, you look at somebody else. Oh, they never did. But that person, you know, so it's, it's, um, we're lucky to have somebody that's a, we have a giant in our, in our city, you know, which is Hallmark, you know, it's like you look at Minneapolis is an, is a very comparable city to us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have an amazing creative community, amazing mm-hmm. design community. I mean, one of the best in uh, ever, mm-hmm. And they have a target there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like Hallmark is our target. You know, it's like yeah. there's these, you look at the cities that are these powers in the creative world. And um, a lot of them have some sort of kind of um, leader that they can lean on that's helping kind of. A stable kind force. Of, that, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, those are, those are a couple. I'm a huge sports fan. I love the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. I love the Kansas City Chiefs. My first job ever, as a, it wasn't even a job. First time I ever combined art and commerce was I drew the season tickets for the Kansas City Chiefs when I was in third grade. No way. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, I, <laughs> I've loved the Chiefs my entire life. Um, I was in third grade. There was a contest. The Kansas City Chiefs did a contest asking kids to draw the season tickets. And I was in third grade, and I was like, I kind of like to draw. I love football. <laughs> like, I'm going to try this. And somehow I won, and I and I won, and uh, I won free season tickets. Oh, that's this super was cool. uh, this was in the I guess probably like the early '90s. So this was, we were rough. This yeah. was like I'm trying to think like like in between DeBerg and Craig years probably if that paints so we a had tickets to give away. Is they, what, what I'm yeah, saying yeah. is they had a few tickets to give away. Uh, uh, well, that's probably even before that. This might be pre Marty. No, Marty was there. Marty yeah. was there because I remember meeting. Well, anyway, so I got free season tickets. They sent um, they sent a cheese player to my grade school in a red Ferrari. He drove me around in a red Ferrari. Wow, they did an way. assembly at my grade school. <laughs> the kid I thought school. I was hot stuff. Yeah. And this, I was in third grade and following that, a fifth grade girl asked me to be her boyfriend. Whoa. Like that second, I was like, wait, if I'm an artist, I can make you things and you will give me things and I get older women. I was like, design and art is just magical. Right, yeah, right. third grade, you know, I was like, this is a magical. And I owe it all to the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. awesome. Um, well, <laughs> that seems as good a, a place as any to kind of uh, come to a stopping point. Is there anything else that you want to mention before we sign off? No, man. Thank you. I can't thank you guys enough for having me. Um, well, thank you the for world. joining us. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you guys. And keep on promoting Kansas City and Kansas Cityans. I, I greatly appreciate what y'all are doing. Well, same goes to you. And thank you for joining us, Tad Carpenter, uh, Carpenter Collective. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter for show updates, extras, and more. And remember to subscribe and rate us on your preferred platform. Special thanks to MMGY Global and to Kevin McLeod for Speakeasy's theme music.